Lord, we pray your word be heard. And that you would be loved, Lord. In the response to your great love for the world, Lord, cause people to cry out to you, Father. Save them with your grace. Grant them mercy, Lord, over their sins. Father, fill them with your spirit and give them new life. Father, our consistent prayer for this never ends until your son comes again. Lord, we praise you for your great patience, not wanting anyone to perish, Lord. Father, soften the hearts of the world that they would receive your love. Lord, give me your words today. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Love. Because the gospel affects our lives in such a transformative way, our testimony is often not confined to a single event. God's love has transformed my life as it does for all who trust in him. The Bible teaches us that when we believe in the finished work of suffering and sacrifice Jesus endured in our place, we are saved. From that salvation, new life springs up where there was once death and desperation. Chains of fear and hopelessness are destroyed and get replaced with a confidence founded in truth, truth that shapes how we think and how we live. In this way, God's love becomes the firm foundation of our lives. That which we always fall back on, and that which builds us up. His love permeates through our relationships, our work, and every component of our lives. We become shaped by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, who now lives in us. And while we were justified the moment we receive God's mercy and faith, sanctification is the lifelong process that God works out in us. So today I want to share with you what God's love means to me. I'm going to share another component of what I would consider my testimony. My testimony being the good news of what God has done in my life. Jesus taking my place in death and granting me life instead. And it's also about the freedom he has given me as the love of Christ breaks the bonds that held me down. I will say up front that what I tell you today will make me very vulnerable. And you will know things about me that almost no one knows. And I think that's a good thing. 
Because if we shape our expectations of our teachers and our leaders around the false idea that they have a special holiness that we don't have, we make a mistake that will lead us to great disappointment. The truth is, is that we are all sinners saved by grace. When I was younger, it was discovered that I have obsessive compulsive disorder. If you're not aware of what that is, it's a seriously debilitating mental health condition that crushes your life. OCD cripples you with worry and fear, rendering you unable to function in everyday life. It's not about washing your hands or being super neat. Those are actually only the external parts of what the root problem actually is. The root problem is intrusive thoughts. the most damaging condition it's like being a prisoner in your own mind consistently being tortured and not being able to escape unwanted thoughts or ideas that relentlessly torture you day and night thoughts around safety morality committing sin or harming others those obsessive obsessive thoughts that you try so hard to avoid are what causes those outward signals that seem silly to people. But inside you suffer through a living nightmare played out in your head sometimes all day long. Maybe you worry you left the oven on when you left home. A rational person would double check and then move on. And we've, also, we've all probably experienced at some point that doubt that pervades that doesn't seem to want to go away. But for me, that never left. I would be captured by the overwhelming fear that even if I looked away from the stove for a moment, I would be leaving the room, I would be leaving the room and allowing the house to burn down. Each time I would get enough courage to move on from something, I was barraged by feelings and thoughts that I was inadequate or that I made a mistake or that my actions were going to cause great tragedy and harm to other people. The, the oven thing is really silly, like a silly example. But actually it's a crippling fear that's devastating. Because it doesn't just affect one thing often. It breeds fear in your mind. And this condition doesn't contain itself to one issue, which was my case. When I was younger, I was so worried that I wasn't good. Even the possibility of making a mistake terrified me. My homework was always unfinished and would be filled with holes because I would write and erase the same letter over and over and over and over and over again until it was perfect. You can understand a little bit of what I felt, or maybe a lot of it, when, when Paul wrote, I do what I don't want to do, and what I don't want to do, I cannot do, that really spoke to me on more than one level when I, wrote, when I read it. That's Romans seven, fourteen through 24. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Sold as a slave to sin, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. 
As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For my inner being, from in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? I was so wrapped up in trying to be perfect that I wouldn't wear the same kind of clothes as other kids. Because I didn't want to be perceived or associated with the awful things they did. I was so afraid of dying and death, I was terrified. This is really silly. When I learned the ways you, when I learned some of the ways you could be injured, you know that little bone on your chest, the xiphoid process, right? Have you ever heard that if that breaks, you'll like instantly die? I was terrified to even touch it. Germs paralyzed me. I did wash my hands until they bled, and I could never, ever make myself clean enough. I would make my bed permanently and then sleep on top of it in the clothes I was going to wear the next day so that I wouldn't be late or have the possibility of getting in trouble for an unmade bed. Innocent games and songs and thoughts like don't step on a crackle, you'll break your mom's back were taken to a literal extreme. I was convinced that I would be the cause of harm if I let my guard down. Scary movies caused a special affliction to me. Exposure to pornography and an overly sexualized culture beat me down. I could never seem to run away from the thoughts that attacked me. It was torture. But now it's a torture I can endure. It is spiritual persecution that drives me to call out to God. And every moment I suffer, and I call out to him, I grow stronger in him. I've always considered this mental illness to be my thorn in the flesh. Thoughts of violence, Sexual immorality, sin, and others barrage me in a way that's hard to explain. Fear of infidelity or killing other people or harming them. Or even saying the wrong word from the pulpit one time. Second Corinthians twelve seven through ten. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, 
Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Real freedom I have found in Jesus. In the everlasting love of God, no matter what I think or how I feel, No matter how persistent those thoughts or feelings are, I rest on the foundation and the truth of God's love. Even my own body can't destroy me. I celebrate Jesus because he is my rescuer. His grace is sufficient for me, and his love is all that I need. I can't trust what I think or how I feel. Instead, my reality is shaped by God's love. I found peace and joy, and hope in the love of my Creator. His message to me is the same to you. There is no sin, no fear, no doubt that He can't handle. He never withholds His forgiveness from those who seek it. This is why we come again and again to the foot of the cross. Why we come again and again to Jesus, because His mercy is never-ending. His love never fails. He has become our God, our hero, our king. Jesus is the one who sets sinners free. And no love can compare to the love that God gives. Love he gives even to those who hate him. Love that is patient and gentle and kind. Romans 5, 8 through 10 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved? Shall we be saved through his life? There's a follow-up, if you kept reading from that first verse in Romans 7, where Paul is struggling, I can't do what I want to do. Romans 7, 25. 8 through 4 is what he says immediately afterwards. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Because of Jesus, God has victory over my soul. This is how his love has shaped my life and the way that I now love others. So I plead in love, no matter what your circumstance or your situation or what you think or how you feel, Call on the name of Christ. Run to the shelter of the Father who is promised and faithful to give life to all who come to him. To experience the love of God, there is no greater treasure or feeling. First John 4 through 10. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Let's pray. For all you've done for us, Father, we can never repay. Lord, we know all you ask is for us to respond. To know, to believe that you gave your son Jesus for us. So that the prison of this world, the prison of this flesh... cannot hold us back, Lord, will not result in our death, but that the life you give, you make us born again into new everlasting life with you forever. This is our prayer, Lord, for all who are yet to receive. This is our prayer for our community and the whole world, Lord. We want heaven to be a very, very full place. We want no rapist, no murderer, no sinner to miss out, Lord. Father, in faith, we turn to you, and we trust you, 
because your mercy, your grace, your love, your son is sufficient for us. We pray we understand and know and believe and live these things, Lord. In your name, Jesus. Amen.